Okay, guys, so today we are talking about half-elves and half-orcs. Um, I'm going to put the disclaimer. Um, we are going to avoid using um, certain phrases when it comes to this, uh, specifically half-breed, um, end quote. Uh, this is another disclaimer that's in line with when we're talking about humans. With all that's going on in the world uh, right now, especially south of the border and... Uh, even up here, uh, when we talk about indigenous people's rights, we want to make sure we're using proper terminology and we acknowledge the fact that we are three white cisgendered people on this um, podcast. So uh, that being said, that disclaimer out there, please forgive us. Uh, we're, we're doing our best here. Um, that being said, because we're talking about half elves and half orcs, if this was the real world and half orcs and half elves did exist, which would you rather be and why? Are we gonna roll? Yeah, let's roll okay. for it. I want this one. Gonna have this it. is my lucky dice. Five. Fifteen. Nineteen. Damn it. Okay, go ahead. Uh, probably. I, I feel like a half orc because they're they're big and strong and like to be out and raiding things and. You you are fairly close to a half orc as just your general personality. Like you're, yeah, you're an half, half elves are delicate creatures in my eyes, right? And that's just not emotionally, not physically. No. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't really use the term delicate to describe you, Dave. No. So so delicate. I don't know what they're talking about. I have feelings. He's okay. got so many feelings. Megan. Um, but I was actually going to say that personality-wise, I was more of a half-orc than a half-elf. But more really? th more in the sense where I do take a lot of pride in, like, the shit that I've been through in life. And I okay. strive to prove myself on a regular basis. But, and if I wanted to be one, I would probably be a half-orc more. Because I feel like they have, they live more on the side of ignorance is bliss versus elves, which live in more of a, I'm high and trying ready, to be of try two and worlds, be of yeah. two worlds. Yeah. I don't know what, I, mom, I don't want to be like you or dad. I don't know if I want to be like you. I, I want to be my just, own person. I feel like half works to just accept it and be like, bitch, I strong. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Funny enough, I, I consider myself uh, very closely aligned with the half orc um, and orc side of D&D &D and fantasy genre just itself. And always have. I mean, my Twitter handle is Oscar underscore the underscore. Well, you got the, the tusks, right? Um, I actually... Too many underscores. <laughs> I, I do have, like, slightly pointier canines. <laughs> I have forward fangs. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I've always identified uh, a little bit too closely to the half-work side of things. Um, and as I've grown older and as I've seen the world, and especially in the state that it's in right now, being a half-elf and being that, like, perfect diplomat speaks to me and being able to talk to people and being of two worlds but also of neither and and being able to bridge that gap and, and bring harmony that sounds really appealing to me whereas mm -hmm. just being the big dumb strong guy who um is of questionable heritage i i've had that my entire life i i want to try something new so i i, I think i would prefer to be a half elf hmm I want that big, strong, dumb guy life. <laughs> yeah, I'm with it. I, honestly, I think that half orcs probably mesh better with humans and orcs than half elves would. Yeah. So I, I think it would be harder to be a half elf. Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll we'll get into that in okay. the episode ahead. 
Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast with your DMs, Megan, Dan, and Dave. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Dan and with me are Dave and Megan. Hello. And today we're talking about that actually our... was on purpose. It actually really hurt. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, today we're talking about half elves and half orcs. So, uh, guys, we we know half elves and half orcs are often relegated to the uh, edge lord category of things. They're the dark, mysterious souls of who are of neither world. They have questionable uh, heritage and uh, are dark and gloomy and mysterious and have shadowed pasts so of course we're going to be talking about them today um just right off the gate what are you guys thinking about half works half elves like do you like them based on your research or your experience um what, what are you guys thinking i i think we should be calling them helves and horks uh, no, because if we say horks too much, Megan will have issues. That's true. <laughs> it's not lying. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> she'll hork up a loogie. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically what we're going to do, Megan, what, what about you? Um, I, uh, I think that they're just added to add flavor text to things. I don't think there's really any other bigger concept to them other than to give people new ideas on how to play your character. They, they kind of sit out of the realm of uh of sense to me as well in D, because you could tell half elves are just there because everyone loves elrond half elven from lord of the rings and because there was a guy in lord of the rings named half elven we need to have a um half elf in D, and they love the idea of half orcs because orcs were always the main bad guys and you couldn't get away with playing a full orc, but orcs were always raiding and pillaging and doing other things while raiding and pillaging. So, of course, there should be some half-orcs that might be trying to. No, I look at it from somewhere from a different angle, whereas they needed to introduce a mechanic to blend these rage monsters that are sweeping over the land with the civilized world. How do you do that? Combine them. Yeah. Give, the, give them a bridge together, right? And that's kind of how I looked at it. Yeah, it gives them a reason to communicate in some way, shape, or form, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, real quick, what we're going to do is we're going to start with half-elves, and we will cover half-orcs after uh, as our topic three, because we're going to be spending the majority of this episode on half-elves. The main reason, because half-elves have four different sub uh, have four different... Sub-upbringings. Sub-upbringings. Um <laughs> Again, we're we're trying really really hard for the proper language here. Thanks, uh, wizards. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, wizards. Um, that will affect them in very very deep and meaningful ways, uh, especially if you're playing them differently than others. So, real quick, we're just going to go over the description and uh, the politics and everything about um, half elves before we get into the mechanics. Half elves are creatures of two worlds. They are um, both human and elf, but also neither. Um, they are often seen as having all of the benefits of both of their um, parentages, but with none of the negatives. They have slightly longer lives, um, living up to uh, 180 years. Um, so Wouldn't they have... that be like really depressing, though? 
half your family lives forever, half of them die in a hundred years. I, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, half elves are those perfect bridges between the two cultures because they understand the and we hit this last week when we covered uh, humans. The fragility of life. The fragility of life and the intensity of life and how spending, you know, 50 years trying to understand a flower is just a waste of time, right? Whereas a human... But every, not to your high elf. But not to your high elf. <laughs> a high elf who lives for hundreds upon hundreds of years, if they die at all, um, can afford that amount of time. But a human, they they got, as Adam said last week, you got 20 minutes max. If you can't catch me in 20 minutes, I'm on to the next thing. Because that's just what the human scope of life is. So elves, uh, half-elves, really play the role as both. Um, they are not often rejected by their respective communities, but are often um, they often choose which parent they want to live with and are raised by those communities um, very welcomingly. They... Uh, if they are raised by human communities, they're often given elven names. If they're raised by elven communities, they're often given human names, but still raised like a member of the community. Um, they are um, taller than your average elf, shorter than your average human, but that divide is within a matter of six inches. So it doesn't really matter uh, depending on where your human is from. That, can, of course, can change as well. Um and, I am a tall human and a short human. Right? Um, and, I mean, they have the telltale, subtly pointed ears that point to their elven heritage. Plus, they're slightly more slight frame. Okay? Um, Was that a pun? That their pointy ears point to their heritage? Yes. That, that's... that's I'm, I'm trying, guys. Adam's not here. Someone's got to be punny. You're trying. I can tell. Dave's just staring me down. Yep. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, in terms of their... Uh, their role in the world, they they often will um, play the role as the diplomat building and bringing these two communities together. Or if they are shunned by the communities, they or they get the sense of wanderlust, which half-elves are prone to get, they will go out and uh, explore the world. And a lot of half-elves become adventurers and explorers because of the sense of wanderlust that they have. Um, that being said... In past editions, Dave, half-elves have, like, further exemplified that role of diplomat by getting bonuses to social skills and getting things like that. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? Um, no. <laughs> I never really dealt with half-elves because if I needed someone to do the job of a human, I used a human. If I needed someone to do the job of an elf, I used an elf. Mm -hmm. And, that, like, case in point, I didn't see much purpose of them. Uh, now, again... A lot of what I've done is Eberron-based, and everything that you just described is not the case in Eberron. They are very much a second-class citizen. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, in Yeah, we're talking base Forgotten Realms. Yeah, yeah, which is why I wasn't piping up in, in Craig. No. So, I mean, my experience is very different. How are they in Eberron? Um, they're... So, Valinar is the, the area, the, the nation on Corvair where you're going to find them. They're the administrators. They get pushed into, like, the, the grunt work they're they're there to make the life lives easier for the elves okay okay so they're just they're I, I, i'm hesitating to call them servants but i mean it's it they're they're kind of like the, the the bastard child from the medieval times of earth that is serving the family but everyone knows they're related to the lord 
Yeah, I mean, they're not even like particularly mistreated. It's just they're not the same. And they are not as good. That doesn't mean it's they're still not good. They're just not, they're not out. Is that right? like a yeah. construct, though, of like other high fantasy novels and writers from the past? Like, I, mean, I find that's very much a Tolkien way of looking at it. It very well could be this. I mean, it's a campaign setting that was written by a fan. Yeah. So yeah. who knows where the, the inspiration really came from. But I mean, it like it's it is a little bit different depending on where you go. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even all, all the races are like that. I mean, hell, like even Ravnica, they don't. They don't have dwarves in no, Ravnica? No, no dwarves like, in Ravnica. So, I mean, it, it, which is a crime. It changes drastically they have dwar- no matter where They have centaurs, go. but no dwarves. What the hell? They should have half dwarf, half horses. Done. With long arms. So just really furry donkeys? Anyways, Megan. Good pause. Good pause, everybody. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on, on the half-elves and their role in society? Um, I don't know. I think it's just kind of like it, it's it's a necessity to have and the fact that I look at like humans and I look at elves, they're very similar looking. Like there's no reason why a human would not find one or the other attractive. So making one makes sense. So now we've made one. What do we do with it? Okay. And this is kind of what they had in mind. I do like the sense where in fifth edition, at least they are a little bit more versatile in the fact that they don't necessarily have to choose human or elf. They could grow up with both there mm-hmm. isn't really a big stigma in fifth edition specifically um that pigeonholes them into uh, i have to hate this ancestry because they left me alone or i have to go this one way or this one direction so they were a little bit more inclusive in fifth edition i felt yeah so i'm less uninclined to play them as a player or use them as a dm as filler would i use them as a main stakeholder probably not i feel like they're just kind of like you know how people just like humans don't really like playing humans. I feel like humans don't really like playing half elves because why not play the again to your point? If I'm gonna want an elf, why don't I just play an elf? Yeah. Or if I want to play a human, like I play a lot of humans in D and I'm just gonna play a human because why the heck not? I, I never play humans in D and D, and I never play elves either. If I want something with that elven bend, I play a half elf because I don't like going full elf. Yeah. Um. And and most of that is just because I tend not to play a uh, overly dexterous character, and when I think of elves, I think of the nimble, um, grace that they carry. I don't play with that. If I do end up wanting to play a character with high dexterity, I'm playing a gnome or a halfling, mm. right? And and I'm I'm going like prequels Yoda with it, and I'm jumping around doing backflips everywhere. Yeah. Um. But. I, I, I can never, I've never been interested in elves. And part of that, I figured out very recently why. It's because I grew up on the Hobbit cartoon, the animated cartoon of the Hobbit, oh. which was made in the, I want to say, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, and the elves in that cartoon are hideous little things that are just ugly and, and, um, vile like they 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 look unhuman right and i mean you look at the modern day lord of the rings movies you look at what they do for their elves and they're just it's very pretty elegant prettyified humans it's a little different yeah the animated show was very much not and that's just the image that's burned in my head when i think of elves i think of short and there's always like twigs stuck in the hair no matter what you can do right and and even the high elves always have some sort of elegant twig stuck in their hair 
Not that, just any just, twig, an elegant but twig. But it's an elegant twig. Yeah. It's like birch or something. For sure. So, uh, <laughs> this this is like an, an issue I've always had. Um, and when you look at previous editions when it comes to elves, even like 3.5, everything was uh, amplified in terms of like angularity when it came to elves as well. So it wasn't just that their ears were pointy. It was that their cheekbones were pointy and their heads were like angled sharply and they were long uh, limbed and kind of frail looking and I, I just have never bent towards that mm. the the concession has always been to me the half elf which had that versatility that you find in uh humans and a little bit of that grace and elven nature that i could put into the character speaking of that versatility that you found in humans i'm going to go over the mechanics that we find in the player's handbook over on page 39 um and then what we'll do is we will then roll the dice and decide whether or not um half elves interest us as a player and as a dm for npcs so um real quick you as a half elf get a charisma score increase of two and then you get two other ability scores increased by one your choice that is a total of four ability score increases, which is the most out of any other class, or any other race in the in the in the book. Other than a human. Other than a human, which gets plus one to everything, <laughs> unless you go the alternative human. Yeah, but, let's, we're, we're not we're not going there. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, they age at about the same rate as humans um, and reach adulthood around twenty. However, they live much longer and often are. 180, 190, 200 years old before they die of old age. Um, they tend to be chaotic based off their elven heritage, but uh, they value freedom and love and goodness and nature, so they do tend to be on the good side of alignment as well. Very rare will you find a lawful evil, lawful evil half-elf. Very rare. Um, as for their size, they are medium and they range from five to six feet tall, just like any normal human. Um, their baseline speed is 30, just like any normal human. Um, they have dark vision because low light vision is not a thing anymore. Um, so, Which is too bad. I which is like too that. bad. I, I, I'm, Either you can see or you can't. I don't well, know. <laughs> the thing that bothers me is dim light still exists. It's true. But low light vision doesn't. It, 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 they... they are dealing with half the pie, in my opinion. They, they're they're all crossed. No choices fill. had to be made. Dragonborns got cut from the list. We're all upset about it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have Fey ancestry, which uh, comes from their Elven heritage as well, um, where they have advantage on saving throws against being charmed and can't be put to sleep magically, just straight up can't. And they have probably my favorite ability, skill versatility, which they are proficient in two additional skills of your choice ridiculous yeah that's useful that's that's incredibly useful uh getting skill proficiencies in this game is difficult if you are anything other than a bard or a rogue so um languages are common and surprise surprise elvish but actually surprise surprise one additional language of your choice as well so regardless of your uh, upbringing, you get three languages as a half-elf right out the gate when it comes to languages this is a bit of a sidebar i've always wondered why in games, if you're starting a level one character, you get all these languages right away? Why wouldn't it be at certain levels that you get? If there, I'm sure there's somewhere where at certain levels you get languages. So you used to, in sort of, in 3.5. Okay. I was would, like, I know I've would, seen it before. Every time you'd level, you'd get skill points that you would put into your 
your skills. Yeah. Now it's based on proficiency in your modifier. But before, you would get a bonus that you would get to add into into your skills, okay? Yeah. Which made your skills ridiculous. Oh, my diplomacy? Well, that's a 35, Dan. Like, and it happened all the time. But you could also spend the skill points to gain languages. Got you. So, and, and you would put them in the skill, linguistics, to get the, the, the languages. There is also a rule based off of whatever your intelligence modifier was, was the amount of additional languages you could learn. Yeah, you get plus three, um, three more. I actually missed that. Um, learning languages in D&D 5e is hard. Yes, it's difficult. It's it like next to impossible. It beyond... was too easy in 3.5. But it was, it was like, oh, easy. I leveled up and I know we're heading to the elven nation. I can speak elf now. I'm gonna learn some elvish language. Yeah. yeah. But then you look at like spells like Comprehend Languages, which is a first level spell. Helps out. It helps. Yeah. Right? So um, as long as you have an arcane spellcaster at first level somewhere in your party, which if you don't, kudos to you because you're playing the game on hard mode. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the, uh, it, it's difficult to learn languages now. So, guys, half elves um, from a straight mechanical base. Half elf frame of mind. Do they appeal to you as a player, and do they appeal to you as a DM? Let's roll the dice. Fourteen. Two. I can't see. Seventeen. Seventeen. Um. As a player, yes, I guess, sort of. What What about them? Really? I like how many. uh, skill modifiers they get, or, or stat modifiers that they get. Yeah. I like that. That's nice. Plus the not being able to put to sleep and things like that. That's very convenient. Uh, it's got a little bit more flavor than a human. I mean, let's be honest. When you're making a character, you don't need a plus one to all six stats. No. Right? Charisma, if you're a caster or, you know, you a paladin, I guess, as a caster too. But And then another one in two others. You know what? That's reasonable. There's, yep. there's nothing wrong with that. Like it, it just it it checks some boxes. And getting four is better than the average. You know, like it's yes. However, I feel like I could do better things with other classes. I like other than caster. Where does this fit? Like, what what class would this fit into? I see a half elf paladin going for miles and miles. Okay, and miles. but I feel like a dragonborn paladin is probably more effective. You're right. So the only time that <laughs> just yes. So so the only charisma thing, and strength. You're right. Right. So the only time that I'm actually going to pick this to do that is if I'm making a flavor character, yeah. Or if I'm rolling on a random table, like I'll you know, there's the nine base. Races Keep in mind though, roll. like, and, and this this is the this is the thing that uh, gets me about half elves is the half elf stat block could be the exact same as a dragonborn. Plus one constitution. So now, if you wanted to. So now your half-elf is, on a base level, just as strong, just as charismatic as your dragonborn, but also could take an additional punch. Yeah, but they don't have a breath weapon. <laughs> no, but they have skill proficiencies. And they can't be charmed, where your um, dragonborn paladin can be. Y- yes, there's there's a fine line between them. Yeah. But Dragonborns are also a bad example because they're the they are the weakest mechanical race in the book. Yeah, and this not them not having dark vision. It's just it's a sore spot for me. Yeah, me too. Like, <laughs> well, uh, it's like, a problem. Not? I hate it. <laughs> Figure it out. 
I just if you roll a D, if you roll a dragonborn on my table, you have dark vision. I've given it to you. You're taking the hit. Here's your reward. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a DM, like, are you seeing a lot of uh, these guys pop up in your campaigns? Are you seeing? Are you leaning on them, or are you leaning on more of the humans or the elves? Or uh, honestly, what I'll do as a DM um, is I'll just kind of pick what my players are. And if I have a player that's super interested in this conversation, maybe they'll be a similar race just to try to spark a common a commonality between them, mm-hmm. get a little more conversation going. Uh, however, I don't think I've ever used a half-elf in that manner, and I probably will now just to throw them for a loop. If I'm like, oh, and by the way, it's a half-elf. They're going to go, why the hell is this a half-elf? Why has it been 15 years and only now we're seeing a half-elf? <laughs> and it doesn't mean a damn thing because I love giving them the red herring. I love yeah. you know, doing that. But uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I see a place for them. I just, I'm not sure it's in the style that I play normally. Mm. That's fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, like I said, as a player, I do enjoy half-elves. I've played a half-elf to level 20 um uh, half elf sorcerer um but that was back in pathfinder and uh adam is screaming at me just for he mentioning loves it. Pathfinder. he loves it it's the greatest um but i mean like in pathfinder the D 5e half elves fit the role of a sorcerer perfectly um so i i would definitely um be tempted to play one of those again uh they I, I don't know, man. Like you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that the half elves carry more flavor than humans. My biggest problem with humans is they have no flavor. They are vanilla. They're not even vanilla with the raw bean still inside or French vanilla. They're just straight vanilla. They're the vanilla ice cream you get where you're not exactly sure there's milk in this. Like that is what humans in D and D are to me. They're bland and flavorless. They are. Cheerios. <laughs> They're everywhere. You put them in your campaigns because it's good for you, but you don't really want to. Half elves have that little bit of flavor. They are French vanilla ice cream made with real cream. And and I I that just sounds really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but like they're they're they've got that little bit of flavor. They got that little bit of uh, character direction that I can build on to build an intriguing, interesting character. And I, I find that humans are wanting in that regard and elves go too far in that regard and half elves blend that really well. As for, um, in my campaigns, do I use them? I use them everywhere in my campaign, especially if I have, um, players who want someone attractive to flirt with like love interests in my games are often half elves. Um, because you have a half elf fetish. No, not because I have a half elf fetish. Oh, it's but, not because of that. It's because of something else. Yeah, it's it's yeah. because of something else, Dave. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, it's 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 because half elves to me are um they're like humans, but just that little bit more flavor, more well, a little bit better, right? They're just they've they've got that um social charismatic bump and they do based off their mechanics um so they lean into that role really easy right um one of the characters in our last campaign that adam used as a love interest was a half elf 
the entire time. Irvindale. No. I was um, going to mention him, but I didn't want to. Yeah. My heart is still broken. <laughs> Anyways, Megan. Um, I think that Half Elves are a great intro class. Um, in the sense that it is a great intro character for those first starting out in D&D. &D. Yeah, yeah. You get a lot. It's, it's pretty easy. It's not overly complex. Um, so I find that a lot of people first introduction to 5th edition will kind of blend, go to elves to begin with because it's what they know mm -hmm. sometimes in high fantasy. Elves, humans, orcs, blah, those are the ones that you know already. So you kind of like, I have a base knowledge of this. I can be confident in playing this character. Mm -hmm. But then when you start reading regular elves... You're like, this is a whole lot of shit. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know if I can roleplay this, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Like, I just, like, and it can be overwhelming. Whereas I find half-elves are a little bit more introductory to be like, okay, I kind of know what it's like to be a human. I kind of know what it's like to be an elf because I watched Lord of the Rings once. I can probably make this work. Yeah. So I feel like from an emotional standpoint, as well as a stat-based standpoint, it is a very good intro character for first-time players. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. They're, they're, they give just that little bit of flavor to be able to be a good springboard. Yeah. I agree. yeah. As a DM, I would force them to choose a sub upbringing. I would force it. One of the four that we yeah. find in Skag? I would force it. Mostly because it stops you from overstatting your character for no reason. Um, and kind of makes you figure out what you want to do with your character. Okay. Um, especially if you have a first time player at the table playing a half elf. It is kind of good to give them that direction. To yeah. choose something to focus on. Instead of giving them the whole world and saying, here's all these stats, you're great at everything, go. Yeah. If I was a DM and playing with a half-elf in my group, I would be like, well, then choose one of the four. Or we'll talk about what the world is like and we'll make one up for you. Cool. Right? Well, uh, as for the four, we will be covering them after a quick commercial. Hello, everyone. This is Megan. You'll recognize me from such things as Call of Cthulhu playthrough and various episodes where I'm mean to Terry, kind of terrified of Adam, and always wowed by Dan's lore knowledge. Uh, we're solidly into year two of the podcast now, and there's been a lot covered. So if you're new to It's a Mimic or just have the attention span of a guppy, let me remind you quickly about what is out there. So far, we have covered the horde mentality monsters, including orcs, goblinoids, kobolds, gnolls, undead, and even bullywugs. If we're talking about base classes, we've also covered a minimum of at least three subclasses, also including the artificer. Imagine digesting all that info in one go. There have been a lot of episodes on the Lower Plains and Fiends, and quite a bit on general D&D lore. And of course, what's D&D without our dragons? We've covered all chromatics and are working through the metallics right now. I know these are Terry's favorites and have also started becoming one of mine. In fact, you will hear my lovely voice so far on Copper and Brass, Brass being my new love. So uh, it's been a while, and if you're looking for new inspiration or if you've jumped in halfway through, go ahead and dig through our backlog and find some of those hidden gems. Those original Meet the DMs episodes are absolutely hilarious right now if you re-listen to them because now we kind of know a little bit more about Dan, Adam, and Terry. Uh, but for now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the podcast. So we are now going to move to our sub-upbringings for these half-elf um that we are looking at to build our characters. So um, Sword Coast Adventures Guide gives us the most options here, just like it did with the humans, um, with four potential options for exactly what kind of elf your elf came from. Um, you could be a, a half sun or moon elf, a half wood elf, a half aquatic or sea elf, or half drow. So I'm just going to quickly go over what kind of alterations each of these are going to do to your character. 
And then, guys, I want to roll the dice and talk about which one we like the best and why. Did we mention that it's at the cost of two skill points? Uh, depending on yeah. what the ability is, has a different cost. Has a cost, yeah. Yeah. So, we're going to start off alphabetically with the Aquatic Elf or the Sea Elf. Um, the half-elves in uh, the world that are from the Sea Elf uh, bloodline have the ability to, instead of getting their skill versatility, which is, of course, that thing that gives them proficiency in two skills of your choice, can instead choose to gain a swimming speed of up to 30 feet. You can swim! <laughs> You could swim very, very well. Keep in mind, normal swim speed is what? Quarter speed? Yes. It's half speed because of difficult terrain, half speed because of your swimming. It's not easy to swim, apparently. It's not life. easy to swim. It's, especially if you're wearing armor as well. I, get, I feel like it should be like you should have a basic like maybe 20 to 25 swim speed in general, but you can't do anything when you're swimming, if that makes sense. And then if you're wearing armor... Then you deplete the the swim speed based on what you're wearing, like some sort of armor check penalty or something. Yes, because like, is that what the, does that exist? Yeah, yeah. three point five. That was a major this is, okay, mechanic. This is why I could never play three point five. <laughs> if you are okay, if you are wearing it once in my life, if you are rolling a say you are playing a half elf, uh, fighter character or a paladin, half elf paladin in Dungeons and Dragons three point five or Pathfinder. Your armor check penalty for your full plate uh, is negative eight, Dave, for full plate armor. Okay. Uh, so because they removed it, is that an unpopular full plate is negative, process? Full plate is negative six. Negative six. But if you have a tower shield, shield is negative four. Ten, negative, negative ten. ten. Negative ten. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you can have a negative like, fourteen, or sorry, sixteen on your roll. What the? F- Who played this? <laughs> Oh, I did all for, the time for years. Yeah, and of course, this is how it's done. You have ten as your base plus your dexterity. I feel like everything I've ever suggested has been in this book. <laughs> you a would lot actually love three one I've played it once, and I played a magic character. That's look, all I remember. Look at how convoluted an AC total is. It's ten plus armor plus shield plus dex plus size plus natural plus deflection plus miscellaneous. That's a lot. Oh, and then you can have, if you look below it, a touch and a flat-footed AC. Oh yeah, touch and flat-footed. Which your touch AC is how difficult are you to touch, which is your AC minus your dexterity modifier, and your flat-footed is... No, sorry. It's your AC minus your armor is your touch AC, and your flat-footed AC is your AC minus your dex. So I realize 5th edition is supposed to be a dumbed-down version of things to make it easy for people to get into it. Now you get it. Now I kind of understand, but because I did play 3.5 and I played 4th. Look at the skill list, too. Yeah, like... But... That's um, crazy. And of course, you get your ability modifier. So what you get from your regular stats, plus your ranks, which increases. You get like 10 at every level. So we're getting railroaded here. But at the same time, like, <laughs> <laughs> was this, an, was this, topic. Was this an, like an, an unpopular version of the game? No, that is what everyone loved and played from the 90s on. Because I feel like at this point, everything I'm suggesting I, makes me want to play 3.5. I just gave up 3.5 <laughs> recently. Oh. Um. There are people who hated 4th edition so much that they started Pathfinder. Uh, well, I... And Pathfinder is 3.75. It's like 
3.5, but a couple quality of life things in there, like fixing the grapple rules. No, and I think we talked about our origin story of D&D, and mine was I played 3.5 first, and then took a hiatus, and then 4th came out, and then I played 4th, and 4th was the one I played a while, and I hated it, and never played again, Mm -hmm. and then came back when 5th came out, because it was very easy for me just to pick up and just make Mm -hmm. a character. 5th edition has opened up the gates to make Dungeons & Dragons more accessible, and I think... It is 100% for the better. Yeah. Playing, I, I, we've just started playing Pathfinder again in my, in my Friday night group. And it is painful switching my brain from a fi- like fifth edition brain back to a Pathfinder brain. Just in order to survive in the campaign. It's difficult. It's very, very difficult because now I'm starting to worry about like armor check penalties and, and things again. And I'm like, I would want to worry about that shit though. Like it. You yeah. say that until you until have it happens. to. I know. Yeah. And then I fail and then we get mad. I'm going to get sassy and we're going to throw a plate. Exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> Recently, within the past year, uh, we were helping someone who was new to 3.5 um, get accustomed to the rules, which is ridiculous. And I remember the struggle. She she was having a really hard time because she was like, well, it does this. And I go, well, no, it's actually like this. And I forget what the discrepancy was. And that's the day I found out that there was a 3.0 edition player's handbook yes. mixed in with the 40 other books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't help that the that the third edition book looks remarkably similar yeah. to the 3.5, so you would get them mixed up often. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah it was wonderful. Anyways, anyway, move, moving on. Swim speed, on. is it worth it? Swim so you get, you get swim speed by losing two skill proficiencies. We've already mentioned that skill proficiencies are a major um, thing in this game and really difficult to come by. Yeah. It's what, a big sacrifice. What level spell needs to be cast in order to be able to swim magically? Um, freedom of movement, I guess, could do it. Um, enhance ability to give you bonus on athletics. Like, there is, I, I, I think there is a swimming spell, but I, I can't place it off the top of my head. But like, My guess it would be f- at, at, at latest second level, at, but it's probably a first level spell. That doesn't seem like a ridiculous trade-off then. No, it it really losing the skill proficiencies does. Yeah, th- sorry, that's what I mean. Is it, it doesn't really seem worth it if you. I thought if you I were saying swim speed is worth it, and I was oh. going to be like, please explain yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Sorry, I, I, mis- <laughs> I misspoke. No, like if if you can get it magically with a first or second level spell, yeah. Why would you sacrifice ability points? Yeah, that's right? fair. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, moving on, we're going to cover the Drow Half-Elf. Um, the Drow Half-Elf can forego their skill versatility and instead gain Drow Magic, which gives them the Dancing Lights cantrip. Uh, when they reach third level, they gain the ability to cast Fairy Fire once um, and regain the ability to do so at a long rest. And at fifth level, they can cast Darkness once. And Charisma is their spellcasting ability for these spells. So you give up your two skill proficiencies for the ability to cast Dancing Lights, Fairy Fire, and Darkness once a day. To get sparkle fingers and... and Okay, but think about the flavor, okay? (laughs) I think this one might be a little bit more worth it. Because you have Dark Vision, throw in Darkness, that's great. Fairy Fire as a utility spell. Can Dark Vision see through Magical Darkness? Um, Don't think so. No, it can't. No, no, it can't. Uh, Might be. I'm going to check that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can, um, the question is, can dark vision see through magical darkness? Yeah, I don't know. No, uh, I can't. Yeah. The darkness spell? Oh, darkness spell. 
The darkness spell, which is magical darkness. Oh, fuck it, fine. I'll look it up right now. I'm doing it. Uh, a creature with dark vision can't see through this darkness. Boom. Right there. <laughs> can? Cannot. Okay. Yeah. So, no. Okay. But it fits thematically with the character. Of course. Right? Um, but I would do it purely for fairy fire. A yeah. fighter with the ability to make invisible things visible. It's true. Right? Even if it's only once per long rest is immensely useful. Mm-hmm. How long does it last for? Like a minute? Or it's something? a it's a fairy fire, and uh, it lasts for one minute concentration. And as a fighter, yeah, sure. So basically, yeah. a battle it'll last. But I don't know. I feel like with the drow specifically, just because I was in the episode where we covered the subclasses and whatever of elves, um, the drow have such a rich history that yep. as much as they're just emo elves. There's a lot to them. <laughs> and I just... Is I, there, though? There, I think that there is. I think that there's just like a lot there to be said that if you wanted a character to be a little bit more rich and actually have a purpose and actually have um, goals and like things in mind of what you want to go towards, like a drow is a good one to kind of go for. My but... only problem with drow at my table is I played during the 90s when the R.A. Salvatore Dritz Storden books were out. And every single person wanted to play the drow that was going against their race and was actually good at in heart and uh, was a ranger with a pet panther that slung around two scimitars as two weapon fighting, which didn't even fucking work in the edition. Yeah. So like there, there were, there were a couple things that bothered me. And then every single person at the table wanted to play that character because he was, he's badass in the books. So why not? Right. Well, is it the but, drow that have the, um, Light weakness. I yes, yeah. light sensitivity. Yeah. So the, the half elf drow is the way to get around that. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. It's a problem, yeah. but you'll still be able to play within the culture of the drow. Yep. So I think it's a good for flavor text. Uh, for flavor, I, I I would also agree to a certain extent because you are still half drow. You are still shunned mm-hmm. a little bit in 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 um polite civilization, I guess. Yeah. So uh, and I mean that comes with it a whole slew of other political issues, but. We're not going to cover those here. Fun to play with. Yeah. But did you have an opinion, Dave? No. No. Okay. No. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Um, so every time I think of Drow, I think of Chang from Community. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I haven't watched that show in a while. I just did a rewatch of it not long did ago. Did you watch all the new Netflix? I know. I get to, I yeah, I watched all six. this episode this whole time. Sorry, the, Travis. The fifth was, eh, The fifth season was, eh, The sixth brought it back up again, though. Yeah. It wasn't bad. All no. right. So uh, you can next go Half High Elf, which has um, two slash three different varieties to it. You can either go uh, straight Half High Elf, which uh, will let you forego your skill versatility and instead take Keen Senses. Or a trait based off your elf parentage. Um, this is basically lets you pick and choose one of your high elf uh, traits. Um, or just get that proficiency in um, perception that all elves get. That's useful. To give up two skill proficiencies for a skill proficiency isn't useful. I'm just going to double check. Isn't that it right that they also get a cantrip? Um, Am I crazy? I, I'm, I'm going to get to that. Okay, that's a different one. Okay, yeah. ahead of myself. Um, yeah. So uh, you can forego skill for utility and instead take the elf trait, keen senses, or a trait based off your elf parentage. Hmm. So 
based off whether or not you are a uh, straight high elf, you could get a, a elf weapon training or a cantrip, but that's or. Why are you giving up skill proficiency for, like, two skill proficiencies for one designated proficiency? I feel like if you, not, if you were not playing a magical character, picking up a, tramp, a cantrip of some kind from your parent heritage would yeah. be pretty useful. Like, imagine being, like, a dumb fighter and all of a sudden you have Mage Hand so that you can deal with all the magical stuff or... Uh, I, uh, a fighter with prestidigitation yeah. or minor image yeah. has always been something that's been incredibly useful. And I mean, you could go with the high elf of the um, moon elf or sun elf variant to get access to those cantrips mm -hmm. um, and elf weapon training. Um, but again, you're forgoing skill versatility for those. I guess. So is losing two skill proficiencies worth a cantrip? I think in this sense, yes, because the amount of flavor you're... Half-elf fighter is going to get um, is ridiculous if he could cast Prestidigitation or, or Ghost Sound. However, I do got to say, if you are playing a half-elf sorcerer who gets cantrips, the answer is no. Yeah. Take your skill proficiencies, people. Yeah, it's a flame, yeah. Sure, but if I'm a fighter that has that and I have one cantrip, let me tell you that cantrip is going to get lost to the bottom of my character sheet and I'm never going to use it. Except for that one time, it's like, oh, what do I do? Oh, right, I've got that, which might be useful, but it's probably going to go unused for two out of three sessions. I think that can be said for any of these, though, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, even if you think of the fact that, yes, a swim speed might be useful in a campaign where you're playing, like, a pirate campaign, sure, it could be useful if you're legitimately playing in a water campaign, but will it really come into, hand, like, handy? Or even when you're thinking about the drow, like, will any of the spells that you picked up actually be useful? I mean, very far, yes, but... Fairy fire is immensely useful. Like, like how often will the other ones come in handy, though? Well, I mean, a, a, having another point in strength or constitution, like a constitution especially, could literally be a matter of life and death. Yep. Right? That's true. So do I really care about being able to cast prestidigitation? Oh, like yeah, I, I think you're... As a fighter, you know, like... You're not forgoing the, the two to ability scores. You're forgoing your skill proficiencies. Yes. Oh, so you're sorry. just adding to your my bad. Um, then, yeah, no, <laughs> I agree. Okay, cool. Okay. Take them. Um, finally, we're going to cover these half wood elves real quick. These are going to be your wild uh, half elves. The the more want this is these are the ones who are going to suffer the most from that wanderlust. Um, you can forego your skill versatility again in order to take the trait keen senses or. You can pick up Elven Weapon Training, Fleet of Foot, or Mask of the Wild, which are Wood Elf traits that do the following. You have Elf Weapon Training, which of course is that proficiency in Long Swords, Short Swords, Short Bows, and Long Bows. Fleet of Foot increases your base walking speed to 35 feet, which is immensely useful. And Mask of the Wild lets you attempt to hide even if you are only lightly obscured by foliage. Florage. <laughs> Florage. Florage. <laughs> Heavy rain, falling snow, mist. That's a that's an inside joke that no one gets. Foliage, heavy rain, falling snow, mist, or other natural phenomena. So, do you take Mask of the Wild, Fleet of Foot, in lieu of your two skill proficiencies? 
it depends on what you're playing again i feel like if you're playing a rogue then depending what kind of campaign you're playing in this could be very useful Uh uh-huh Right. I'd agree. Yeah. So, like, again, it's it's the whole point of these is not necessarily to add, in my opinion, not necessarily to add something extra beefy, but to give your character a flavor or a purpose in being. And I feel like if you were to be playing a rogue half elf, this just makes sense to me. So I'm making a monk right now, Dan, for a campaign we're doing coming up. Yep. And I said wood elf. This. Is something I might go home and have another look at before I actually roll it up. Is this the same? Yes, the same campaign. Oh, yes. <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I've, 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 I've started getting backstories and stuff in from everybody. I'm, I'm subtly hinting, except for us. Oh, well, I know you gave me, you gave me, I yeah, you twice. <laughs> yes, you have. So one second. So it's just me. <laughs> so it's just you. Um, but I've, 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 I've planned out the campaign for the most part. It's just injecting backstory beats in now and, and building up shopping lists for you guys. So you're saying cool. this sounds interesting to you? Yeah, I'm going to revisit this and have a look. I have not rolled up the character yet. Cool. but I'm Good to know for Dan. Yeah. Do, yes. do so soon, please. Yes. Yeah. I'm very I mean, I was going head. to look at my D&D stuff tonight, but... Uh... Well, thank you very much for uh, coming and recording with us anyways. So, okay, guys, we're going <laughs> to grab our dice. And uh, of the four options of half-elf... Sub societies, sub upbringings, sub upbringings. I'm not. I'm never gonna get it right. Which one is your favorite? I don't even know if it is politically correct. I, I don't. I don't know either. <laughs> so Megan eight. wins with an eight. Oh wow! So which one would I play? Yeah. Who? Um. Honestly, I feel like I would want to play uh, half high elf. Um. Not for the benefits of any way, shape, or form, but more in the sense of I think the flavor context would be a lot of fun to play with. Yep. Just because you are, if you are high elf, you are definitely playing with the stigma of your ancestors probably hate you. Yep. And you would probably end up with a very sinister character as a result. Depending on if you're running sun or moon. Do you know the difference between sun and moon? Yeah, we covered it in the last episode I was in. So depending on what you wanted to play, you could go one direction or the other. You're not pigeonholed into one direction. Whereas it, the band, uh, where I feel like if you chose one of these other ones, you are kind of defining what your character is. Where I feel like the half high elf has more options yeah. of how to play your character. Cool, um, Dave, you're next. Half wood elf. I just I just said it. I'm yeah. going to go home and look at this. It seems like it could be a nice way to bridge the gap between like to give it that little extra bit of flavor that I've honestly felt half elves have always been lacking. Cool. Yeah. For me, um, I, I would almost agree with you, Megan, that I want to do half high elf, but I want to do a half moon elf. And very specifically, because moon elves are kind of uh, flighty and... Uh, hippie. They're hippies, <laughs> for, 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 for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, they, they, they're kind of airheads, and they, they float through the uh, moonlit jungles and forests just like soaking in the moonbeams. I want to play that the like half moon elf that like resists that urge all the time and is playing like a hardline paladin or something. Yeah. And it's just like, no, we do things with order and decorum and manners and I just want to sit in the moonlight, guys. Like come Ooh, but, moon's out. Yeah. <laughs> just runs right? away. Like I, I that sounds really, really cool to me, especially uh this guy meeting uh, his uh, human parents who are like, we cannot get him 
to uh, like sit to follow the rules, to sit still for long enough. Like we can't get him to do any of that. And then you go to the moon elf who are like, he follows too many rules. Yeah. Right. And, and doesn't go out in the moon and play and frolic enough. You need a frolic more. Right. So like, I, I, like, I thought I was frolicking. What the, am I doing? wrong? I am actively frolicking. Look at me frolicking right now. I'm this wearing, is me frolicking. I'm wearing a shirt that says frolic on it. I don't know what else you want from me. <laughs> so, so I, I kind of want to play a half elf, a half moon elf, a paladin. Funny enough, and then just dump all the points in strength. I think I said that in that episode too. Was that a paladin would make a really good moon elf? Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. But. Okay, so um, without further ado, we're going to move on to a shout out. And when we come back, we're going to briefly discuss my favorite race in the game half orcs. Hey guys, Megan here, wanting to kind of shout out myself. Uh, during the time of COVID-19 pandemic, instead of finding a new hobby, I actually decided to resurrect an old one and start drawing again, just for fun. Uh, I started my own new art Insta that you are more than welcome to follow. You'll find character art, just general doodles, and attempts to use new supplies and materials that I've never used before, so it's quite interesting. Uh, feel free to give me a follow at Omega Art, so that's zero M-E-G-G-A-R-T. Should you already follow me at Omega, you can find the link within my bio. And thanks in advance for any support, uh, follows, and likes in the future, and uh, enjoy the show. Okay, guys, we're back, and we're going to briefly discuss uh, my favorite race in the game, uh, the Half-Orc. Now, um, with Half-Orcs comes the acknowledgement of the fact that the union between a human and an orc is rarely consensual. And I don't know how to put that any other way. I also feel that that is also a result of old high fantasy novels that do yes. not have any stake in D&D anymore. That's, that's true. It is, it is an old narrative. Agree. I don't think that has to be the case. No. No. Um, in fact, uh, there is a series of books that came out uh, probably not that recently. Uh, now that I think about it, probably about 10 years ago, that was a continuation of the Ari Salvatore books that we mentioned earlier. Oh, that name's um, a trigger for me, Dan. I know it is. I know it is. He killed Chewbacca, so yeah. I get it. Um, <laughs> Worst day ever. Dropped a moon on him. Okay. In ways to kill Chewbacca, he got it right. Uh, yeah, sure, but like... But you still killed Chewbacca. But why? Right? You can't see my eye twitch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, he released this series of books where it showed the perspective of a civilized orc society. Yeah. And what's happened after the orcs have banded together all the tribes and have created a homeland and are now having to work with civilization and government and uh, organization. And it's this really interesting view on orcs in past editions of this game have been feral, angry, ag overly aggressive. And even in D&D &D 5e, they have that aggressive rule. Ability, yeah. Yeah. Um, but... At your tables, that doesn't need to necessi uh, necessarily um, have your orcs, your half-orc characters come from some sort of... It doesn't have to come from a specific background at this point. Right. You have so. you have option. There are civilized orcs in the world. And that's, that's, that's what we're going to say about that. Um, in the interest of trigger warnings and stuff like that, we are going to move past a half-orc's heritage into what they can do. Um, half orcs are often um, large. Uh, they are the 
quintessential strongman on the team. They uh, usually are the ones that might be a bit on the dumber side, but have that strength of will and strength of character as well to per- to propel their character arc forward. Um, they tend to play barbarians and those as well because of old norms, but they still fit into that realm as being this hard to put down, hard to kill um, beast on the battlefield. So uh, they tend to carry around their scars uh, with pride, uh, often displaying them um, and if you want to get on the half-orc's good side, you ask them where the scars come from. They love to talk about themselves. They love to talk about their scars, their history, their ancestors, all of that. Um, they usually come from either tribes or they live in the slums, uh, which which comes to the point where half-elves are ten, tend to be a little bit more accepted in the societies. Half-orcs aren't especially in the human societies um, because they are um, seen as monstrous but in the half or sorry in the orc societies they're often see uh, seen as weak and and little so they they get pushed out to the side on both of those communities so half orcs usually end up having to be fiercely independent to stand up for themselves and uh, defend themselves just in order to survive and that's how you get your half orcs the way that they are now uh, half orcs in terms of mechanics they uh get their plus two to strength because of course they do um and because they're hardy because they're hard to kill they get that plus one to constitution as well note they get two bonuses to physical stats and no bonuses to any of the social stats that's rare in this book usually they're balanced mm-hmm. um half orcs uh mature faster than humans and die sooner than humans they're one of the shortest lived races in the game they usually reach maturity around 14 15 years old and die before they're 75 if they don't meet an axe first i like playing half orcs by the way with a very norse feel honor is everything to a half orc um and a half orc must die on a field of battle with his blade in his hand um that is how i've always played half orcs there's that honor to them and i love it valkyries take me now yeah right (laughs) um in terms of alignment they are of course chaotic like like their half elf brethren but um they don't strongly incline toward good or evil um they they might have a little bit more of their tint depending on their upbringing of the evil side if they are raised in that orc community that is more still nomadic and roaming the um, wastelands and raiding and pillaging. They might still have that evil uh, bend to them. But again, based off what you want to do with your character, you are not kind of shoehorned in any role. Um, As for size, they are big and bulky. They're almost always over six feet tall um, and wide as well. They're just, they're, they're big, but they're not quite big enough to be large. So they're medium-sized. Their base walking speed is 30 feet because, uh, like most medium things, it is. Uh, screw you, dwarves. And uh, they gain dark vision because of their orc blood has given them the ability to see in the dark. This makes night raiding very useful. Thank you, evolution. Um, half-orcs are menacing by nature, which gives them proficiency in intimidate. Um, this makes sense because they're big and... Um, They've got the tusks, they're hardy, they're covered in scars and proudly displaying them. Um, 
They're intimidating. They cut an intimidating uh, figure. Yeah, they've got a large intimidating presence. Okay. Like, you you know when there's one there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you um, don't ask, I'm sorry, are you half orc? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you're like, oh shit, there's a half there's orc. There's half orc here. Yeah. <laughs> you can that's... normally smell it from a while. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. That's there, yeah. Um, half orcs, in order to really hit home the uh, ability that they are hard to kill, have relentless endurance. When dropped below zero hit points, nope, they get one hit point. And you're back up at one. Um, now that can't happen again until you take another long rest. But that has been a lifesaver for many characters of mine. Where I get dropped and then I still have that one hit point. So I ain't rolling death saves yet. Uh, also, because of their savage nature, their uh, tribal pass, they do have their savage attacks. When they hit, they hit hard. If you crit with a half orc, you roll an additional damage dice. Now, just to add some clarity to those of you listening outside, if you hit with a great axe, that means you're rolling and you crit. That means you're rolling 3d12. If you hit with a great sword and you crit, you're rolling 5d6, not 6d6. You get to roll one of those dice. Hmm. Okay? Um, moving on, languages, you speak common and orc. And Good. it should be noted that orc is a harsh grading language. Um, with hard consonants. So think Klingon. It's a close analog. Yep. Um, but also noted, it's written in the Dwarvish script, which means orcs, famously antagonists to dwarves, got their language from dwarves. Thoughts? What do you guys think of half orcs? I like them. <laughs> <laughs> how about this? How about this? Let's roll the dice. Let's discuss. Um, Pluses, minuses. Do you guys like half orcs? Do you not like half orcs? Uh, what would you do different? And do they interest you as a player and as a DM? So, roll the dice. I got an eleven. I got a one. You got a six. 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 Um, so <laughs> some serious glare on that die. I can't see. I I am a fan of half orcs. I always have been. I always will be. As I've matured, I've started liking gnomes and tieflings a little bit more. But half orcs will always have a special place in my heart whenever i'm starting a new system for the first time um and it is a fantasy rpg of some sort i'm rolling a half work barbarian and I'm, I'm 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 doing this um in the pathfinder game that we mentioned earlier i'm rolling a half work barbarian named oscar yeah oscar number what oh i don't know i lost count of this 77 point. yeah <laughs> yeah so i love half works i've always loved half works they're a special place in my heart um, as a DM, I like putting half orcs in noble situations because it's unexpected. Um, I like putting them as uh, merchant lords as well. There's one picture from a 3.5 book. I think it was Races of Stone um, way back in the day where uh, it's a half orc outside of an inn saying um, with a big wood sign next to him that says uh, weapons will be confiscated and confiscated is misspelled eight different ways and crossed out. And at the very bottom, it says taken away. And that is so like <laughs> quintessential half-orc to me. I love it. So uh, Dave, you're next, man. Half-orcs. So I tend to, like, I mean, I'm still a fairly new fifth edition player. Yep. Like, I've been playing it for about a year now. And whenever I start a new, a new set of rules, I tend to just stick to the very boring human fighter. I want to learn the rules before I have to learn how to make the rules work for me. Yeah. Um, 
so I recently did a one shot with Adam and some others, and I got to I just rolled randomly uh, to figure out what I was going to be, and I ended up with a half orc rogue. Nice. And it is one of my favorite characters I have ever played. It was the most effective character in the party. It did the most. It had the most skill. Uh, and, and I mean, it was just a basic thief. Like it was, I mean, let's be honest. You were in a party with a gnome barbarian who had negative to strength. Yeah, he had a strength of seven. Now, that's not like a modifier of plus seven. That is an... A like a negative modifier. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. He had oh a negative three. And he just didn't rage. Well, what's the point at that point? So, Justin, if you're listening, screw you, buddy. Rage. <laughs> um, that's like a bard not using bard inspiration. <laughs> right? Get it together. Well, he was. He rolled for his as well. Uh, so, and I mean, we, we straight up rolled the first D6s that we threw. That was strength. The next ones were dex. Oh. And like, we... we oh, yeah, having, okay. No, I get it. Then, the then, then there's a little bit more. There, I, yeah, I, got a little I, more I didn't do it the, the D20 way that I keep threatening Brad to in our group chat. Yeah. But, you know, it was close enough. Like, it was hard. But this this half-orc was absolutely wonderful. Uh, he did the most damage. Uh, he was the last one standing at the end. I managed to kill, with help, obviously, um, four mimics, because, of course, they were mimics. Yep. Uh, two yellow... Or, sorry, two ochre jellies... And I think it was two gelatinous cubes. And one of the ochre jellies was cut in half. And half of one of them finally killed me at the end after I dropped to zero hit points and came right back up. Yeah. So, like, it was close. And I was cornered up in the back of a stair. Like, it was, I was, I was this close. Well, the ranger took the MacGuffin and ran away. Thanks. Still bitter about that, hey? A little bit, but... Yeah. I can't tell. <laughs> the the, the half-orc was an absolute blast to play. I will be revisiting it. Okay, what about as a DM? Do you put many half-orcs in your games? No, uh, because if I have a NPC or a player in a game, it's to fulfill a purpose, and if I want to do that, I will either use a human or I will use an orc. Fair enough. And I'm very matter-of-fact. I don't... My sessions are more combat oriented. Uh, fifth edition has really kind of made it me come out of my shell a little bit with the role play side of things. So maybe I will, but uh, I mean, in the past, no, I haven't really, really used them. It's just been there's a guy there. Yeah. He's selling stuff, and nobody asks about him, right? So, yeah. Megan, what about you? Half orcs. Um, I never actually realized they existed until I was told to do this episode. <laughs> are you serious? I never looked at a half orc in my life, um, as a playable character. And now that I look at them, I really, really want to do one. They're great. They look really fun. Yeah. I think that flavor text is phenomenal. And I feel like if you do move away from their historic confines, um, there's a lot there. Like, Oh, if, yeah. If, if for flavor text and for like just backstory. And I love, and I'm always big on playing on the opposites. So like small character, really strong. Large character, really weak. Like I love playing playing like playing like a half orc wizard. Yeah, so yeah. I, just, I just want like a guy who's trying good. to sneak through a cobalt layer as the half orc was <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. I was gonna say, or just really doesn't realize his size. You know, like yeah. thinks that he's a small human because he's so articulate, and then <laughs> just, just keeps on hitting his head on the like, door frames. Yeah, like, it's like oh, well that's strange. And someone's just like oh, who is this very large scary man? And you're just like I'm sorry, who what? Well, like, there's a very large scary man here. Where? What are you talking about? And like, it just, I just really want, I just feel there's like a lot of role play wiggle room with these that are not, is not utilized and not used enough. So you're going to love this. Uh, we've mentioned before, we have all played in Adam's campaigns at some point in time. Um, Adam is a fantastic DM. Forever DM. And, and a forever DM. So we've all kind of played in some of his campaigns. 
Um, Megan and I are part of like Adam's like I, my pride comes in, but it's his like main D and D group, the legacy one, the, yes. the the legacy group. So, um, when Adam invited me to come in and play, he was like, "Play whatever you want, but I want to nerd out about the campaign a little bit." And he kind of gave me an insight about the the fact that we were playing side B of a like a cassette tape of the campaign. Yeah. Right. So. Um, he's like, so we're playing side B. Eventually I want to get back to side A. Here's what the story of side A is roughly going to be. And I'm like, cool. As I've mentioned before in this episode, when I start a new campaign, I want to roll a half orc and I want to roll a half orc barbarian. When Adam told me what his plans for the campaign were, I said, okay, I cannot roll my half orc now. Yeah. I have to save my half orc for side A. So... I made a Dragonborn Paladin Warlock. Because I was like, I just want to blow shit up. I know this is going to be a short-lived campaign because I know this campaign's ending. And then we're going to get to side A and it's going to be great. Where was my assumption. We finished side B as it was and then moved on to side C. Fuck you, Adam. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, I, my orc is reserved. So I'm going to play my gnome rogue. And then Lachlan Boyle was a thing. We're, we're about to go back to finish up what is the last little bit of side B now that side C is done. But I have been sitting on my half-orc artificer. Mm, mm. Now that the artificer class is out. I've been sitting on this since the artificer class came out. I've been sitting on a half-orc barbarian for four years waiting to play him. From level 1 to level 20, the quintessential iconic Oscar. And his name, I've told him, his name is going to be Oscar. He's going to be a half-orc. He's going to have anger issues. It's just going to be the thing. So, like, I, I've been waiting to play this character. But Adam's campaigns run long, and I was not expecting them to run this long. So, like, there's this character sitting here that I just desperately want to play. I'm excited to meet him. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be a good day. But, um, yeah, do you guys... You, do we have anything else we want to bring up about half elves or half orcs? I love both of the uh, both of the races quite a lot. Um, I clearly like half orcs more than half elves, but I've played half elves as well. So, do you guys have any additional thoughts here? You know, when you asked me to come and do this, uh, I was like half elves. Like, ugh, really? <laughs> All right. Like, I guess you know. So, I have a feeling a lot of people are like that with half elves. <laughs> but honestly, now that we've actually sat and talked about it and so on. No, like I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately going to go home and rethink my my elven monk uh, to look at one of these half elf. Cool sub. What did we decide it was? Uh, Upbringings. Sub upbringings. Yeah. Sub 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 that one. Sub upbringings. Yeah, yeah. Sub, We're all just called sub ups. Sub ups. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, but I also thought that a well, I know I've seen them in the past. A half orc monk can just whoop ass. Yes. Yes. Right? Like, they're great, too. So yeah. When you hit, you hit. With monks, you hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nuts. So, yeah, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and look at this a little bit a little bit more. Cool. I don't think I've given them the, the half-elves specifically, the respect that they probably warrant. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Megan? Uh, I really want to try playing half-orc. Um, forever in my existence, I've always played small characters. Um, I don't know if that's an emotional distress <laughs> response. I don't know. 
Um, but I am very interested in playing a half orc. Half elves are one of those ones, again, it's a round where if you just want a, a quick build, something with an easy background so that you can play off of, and it's a good first time play um, to go half elf, I think. Yeah, but fair enough. Once you get into the game, you'll want to get more into those interesting pieces or find a character that specifically fits one of those backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it just works. A lot of versatility. So I like them. Cool. Well, that'll be it for today's episode on half elves and half orcs. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure to check us out next week when we're covering... Paladins. Paladins. Oh, fantastic. You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. All right, guys, so for this entire episode, we have been talking about half orcs and half elves um which feels a little lacking it feels like we're missing a little bit something there so like halflings like well (laughs) you would think but halflings aren't because they're half of a you know race they're They're half a size they're half a size so so like they're a chicken nugget (laughs) (laughs) other than halflings what other half race do you want to see in D&D and kind of what what would define, what definitive trait would they have? So let's grab the dice and roll and talk about this one. All right. Uh, Dave and I are going to have to roll off. Oh, God. And Megan's going first with a natural 20. This is a question I'm not really prepared for either. Okay, so <laughs> Megan, different half human race and what trait would define them? What, what, what do you think you got? I don't even know at this point because I feel like there's not a lot left on the table for the ones that would even allow it at this point I mean that's fair I mean you have like half giants you could have half dwarves um half dragonborn sounds weird I feel like they wouldn't though but they but they would I feel like I would want to see a half dragonborn actually no I will say that because that would be interesting I, I feel like half dragonborns are already like dragonborn are the half half dragons yeah so like what would that look like like what? 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 What features would a half human, half, half dragonborn? I I would say you would be very similar to a draconic blooded sorcerer, but you got full paladin levels. So you got the scales. You might have a little bit of a claw. I feel like when you get mad, you just explode into a weird elemental rage of some yeah. kind. But, like dragonborn aren't supposed to have tails. They they have talons, but they don't have wings. Wouldn't like, it be weird if like the so if you think about dragonborn and how they're kind of like already a half dragon half something else yeah imagine like the half human half dragon suddenly the tail comes back that that, like that's the gene that survives because human blood for some reason just makes it occur that okay one okay no i I like where you're headed with this this is interesting but it's like a little tail yeah it's like it's like four inches long it's a nubbin yeah it's just enough to make buying normal clothes very very and that's actually the only defining feature that they have for being a half human half dragonborn is they they have a four inch like vestigial tail back nub i love it okay uh for me i want to see official half dwarves (laughs) are you okay there dave Yes. You're just thinking about nubbins now? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see an official half dwarf. I had in one game I ran a character who wanted to play a half dwarf, which is basically just a 
shorter, hairier human. So basically an Italian. Uh, with the, so hand gestures is <laughs> lots gonna of, be yeah, lots of hand gestures. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's it's uh, I want to see the official rules for half dwarves because if you have half elves, I don't see like an ambitious dwarf going, wait, the elves could do this? Well, the dwarves could do it better. So I want to see like an entire tribe of like well-adjusted, accepted into their communities, half dwarves. So it's just taller people with red hair and big beards? No, no, so like, shorter people. No, not necessarily. If it's half human, it could potentially they could get be taller. The oh yeah, well, yeah, but I meant like in comparison to the human side, they'd be almost definitely shorter. We also have to remember that humans are innately actually pretty short, technically, in the D&D rules. And dwarves are deceptively tall. Like dwarves What I'm trying to get at is, is half, Adam feet. a half dwarf? Oh, I'm <laughs> yes. not certain he's not a full dwarf. <laughs> he moves real slow. He's got the beard. Yeah, he's got dark vision. That wouldn't surprise me, weirdly enough, if that was to actually be a trait that he has. No, those are just piercing blue eyes. Those aren't... Those oh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dave, what about you? Um, so, I know it already exists, but a centaur, okay? Now, what if a centaur and a human had a half centaur? Would it be three-quarter human? And which quarter would be horse? No, it would just be a human with hooves for hands. Yeah? And feet. So, like, think about, like, a satyr, but, like, full leg. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the... But only for arms. But only get arms. And their arms are ridiculously long for some reason. I don't know why. But wait, wait, wait. No, no. We have, we have a living, breathing example of a quarter horse in, in, in our everyday world. Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> like, I don't know where you're going with this at all. I knew it was going to be good, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. No. I mean, I've seen it on the internet before, but, like... No, Which, I'm now imagining like a really, really a horse that's just standing upright, so the arms are really long. Bojack Horseman. Which yeah, Bo- yeah, it's Bojack Horseman. A quarter of a horse is Bojack Horseman. Somehow the head becomes an actual horse, but he has like a bipedal body. Hmm. I've seen this question on the internet, so it's not an original thing by me or by any means. But like, I want to know what train of like what your search history leading up to no, you don't, Dan. looking up I don't. what a quarter horse human would look like. No, 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 no. It's, it's which set of nipples does the baby centaur suckle on? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thank you for listening to an It's a Mimic production. <laughs> okay, you're done, Gary. <laughs>